Good morning, Whitesbury Road, and happy Mother's Day. If that's news to some of you, you better figure out a way to recover real quick, because it's Mother's Day. Uh, we're so glad that you chose to be here from wherever you are, either locally or uh, from Ohio or Abilene. It doesn't matter, because I've met people from both places, and uh, we're so glad that you have chosen to be here with us today. And we pray that today is a, is a good day of inspiration and worship to our Father as well. We are very, very busy. A lot going on this morning, uh, so we want to make a few announcements. We will have some guys walking down the aisles to, uh, uh, if you didn't get a bulletin, be sure and get one because we're not going to highlight everything uh, that may that, that's in there because we do have a busy morning. But we do want to make mention that Heart Moms uh, meeting will be Monday, tomorrow night at 6.30 at Joe Neal's house. Yep, there we go, got us a power, there it is, PowerPoint slide. Tomorrow night, uh, eat and meet gathering, that's for heart moms. Uh, if you're wondering questions on that, see Joe Neal. Uh, Joe Neal's right over here, wave your hand. Joe Neal Kirby, see her, and she'll get you taken care of on that. Also, we are in desperate need of food in our food pantry. Uh, as most of you know, we have a, we're a distribution site every other Friday for the Northeast Louisiana Food Bank, but that doesn't cover everything we do. So we do rely on people bringing in food. Ken came up this week and even told me this morning, uh, we're in desperate, desperate need. We will not be able to pass out the amount of food we need to pass out Friday night if we don't get some. He said 200 cans would go from bad to good. So let's go for 500 cans or more. And, and let's just make it happen. That means everybody in here brings, if everybody in here brought a can or beans or rice, we'd be doing really, really well. So let's do that. So when you shop this week, throw three or four or five extra cans in there and uh, bring them out here by Friday. You'll see where the bags are. By Wednesday, the, the food will be here. Um, or bring, bring them by Wednesday and you'll see where to put it out here in the foyer. Thank you so much for that. Also, some gentlemen, when you get ready to go home today, you won't be able to because you left your keys in the, in the restroom to a Ford truck, and it looks like your house key. So uh, are you here? I won't embarrass you unless you're okay with that. But uh, come see me after, after services. I'll be down here or in the back, and I'll give you your keys. If not, I'll go home with your truck. <laughs> so we thank you so much uh, for being here today. Uh, we want to uh, have a prayer as uh, we get going this morning. Father, thank you for this morning and for this day and for everything that you have done for us. And as we uh, head into our services this morning, I pray that what we do will bring honor and glory to you. And that it will fill us as your children on this earth to be your hands and your feet as we go forth from this building. We love you. We thank you for your son Jesus. And it's through him we pray. Amen. We... Uh, of course, today is Mother's Day, as I said in the Mother's Day breakfast a while ago. Congress recognized it a long time ago, but God recognized it even before then. Uh, so this morning, we want to say thank you, that we love you, and we want to honor you uh, very quickly with this short video.
If you're a mother, please stand. We love you. Just stay standing for a minute. Or y'all go ahead and sit down. That's fine. Go ahead and sit down. If you are near a mother, put your hand on your mama or a mother nearby, and just we're going to offer up a blessing for our mothers. Father, we thank you, and as I'm reminded even of one of my sisters that responded last week who uh, just, just desperately praying and concerned for our sons, we thank you for mothers that don't give up. And we thank you for the prayers of our mothers, and we thank you for, for everything that they mean to us in the, the imprinting and in, in the molding and shaping, uh, even before we, uh, our eyes open in this world. Thank you for, for blessing us with families and for that great idea that you put us all in families. Uh, Father, we, this is the day we honor our mothers, but we don't want to uh, get away from here before, without saying and asking a special prayer for those who, this might be a sad day, uh, for those who have lost their mothers or maybe their relationship wasn't where it needed to be. But Father, we pray for healing and we pray for comfort and peace and hope like only you can provide. So as we, as we give you this day and we thank you for uh, what you did for all of us in bringing us into this world through our mothers. We pray this is a day of honor and glory and hope. And it's through your son Jesus we pray. Amen. Oh, God. 
Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. What a great family day this is. Uh, a time when we're together with our family, and I'm really glad to get to be here myself today. Some of you don't know me. My name is Steve Deloach. I grew up here at this church. And when I say I grew up here, I'm one of the few that can literally say that because our house was where the foyer is right now. Um, I played right here. This was a parking lot and uh, tormented the Smith girls, Dawn and Starla and Pam and Kim, threw rocks at them and all kinds of other things. Bill and Margaret lived right across the street from us. Those houses are gone now, but uh, they are a big part of our memory. And when we moved here, when our family moved here, and there was a time when about half of this auditorium was made up of Deloches. Um, we've been deported and we're all living up in Arkansas now. <laughs> but when we moved here in 1966, we lived, like I said, in this little house right here in the corner of the foyer and moved in next door to Bill and Margaret. And to this day, when we talk about Bill and Margaret, it's Uncle Bill and Aunt Margaret. They're part of our family. Lots of other people in this congregation that uh, were part of our family. Pat Jolly, we still talk about her as Aunt Pat. Mabel Meeks, Meemaw Mabel. She was Meemaw Mabel to a lot of people here. But she ran the nursery and boy, oh boy, lots of kids knew Meemaw Mabel. I love being here today. A lot of memories here. My wife and I got married over in the small auditorium. I remember when, like I said, when this building wasn't here, when that wing over there wasn't here, when the wing over there wasn't here, when the auditorium was about half the size, the small auditorium was about half the size that it is now. And yet I've watched through the years as this church has grown and prospered and done amazing things. This church trained me to be a minister. And for the last 25 years, I've worked on the mission field because of my family here. That in, in fact, this church sent me on my first mission field assignment. Went to Africa right out of high school. They bought me a one-way ticket, but I managed to get back. <laughs> <laughs> this family has always been very special to me and my family. And as I look around, I see lots of new faces, people that I don't know, and I see lots of old faces, folks that I grew up with, people that I went to school with, and people that uh, kept those Deloach boys from running all over the building and tearing, places, tearing the place up. We lived here for a while, and then we moved over to Florence Street, uh, over by Highland School, and right across the street, Doyle and Laverne Jennings lived there. They were like family. We never called Doyle Uncle Doyle because he was so big. We didn't want to upset him. I don't think you could upset him. He was a gentle giant. And they were such dear family friends. And as I was talking to my mom yesterday, she said, be sure and tell Bill and Margaret I said hello. Be sure and tell Laverne I said hello. And hug anybody else you see that knows who we are. So consider yourself hugged. I remember as I have been dealing with Facebook 
through the last several years and have reunited relationships with lots of people here, and that's been wonderful. But I keep hearing a phrase that you folks use here a lot, our forever family. Wow. That's exactly what our family is. Doesn't matter if we're deported to Arkansas, we're still part of God's forever family. Doesn't matter where God takes us, and he's taken some of us all over the place. We're still a part of God's forever family. When we gather on the first day of the week every Sunday, we are reminded of that forever family. Thanks to what Jesus did when he gathered with his disciples there and instituted this Lord's Supper. And so today, on Sunday, when we gather here together, we commune with one another, we commune with the Lord, and we commune with our forever family all over the world, everywhere. Now this is a special day because it's Mother's Day, but in truth, every Sunday when we come together, ah, oh, we commune with our forever family because of what Jesus did with this Lord's Supper. I'm so glad to be here today. I hope you are too. Bow with me for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this bread that represents your son's body, for the sacrifice that he made for us, and for the fact that we, because of his sacrifice, are a part of your forever family. Father, thank you so much for the family that we share. Help us as we partake of this, that we will remember who we are and who we are to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
When I was talking to Bill Smith earlier this morning, he said, boy, it's good to see you, son. You Deloaches are unique. And that's true. Uh, I think it's something in the blood. I think it's something that just courses through our veins that makes us unique. And that's a nice way of saying something else, but we'll go with unique. When we gather together on the first day of the week, we gather together because of the blood as, as well. And it's different than Deloach blood or Smith blood or any of those other things. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that binds us together and ensures our heavenly home. It's what makes our family so special. Bow with me, please. Father, we thank you so much for this fruit of the vine that represents the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, for the sacrifice that he made, for the love that he has for us and for the family that came about as a result of his blood. Father, help us Help us to share that with everyone that we can throughout the world. Bless this fruit of the vine that represents your son's blood. And bless us as we partake. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
we've just partaken of the body and blood of Jesus Christ to remind us of the family that we are a part of. Uh, a, a different part of the service now is the time when we give back a portion of what God has blessed us with. Uh, this isn't a part of the Lord's Supper. It's just a convenient time for us to do it. And it is important for us to remember as a family that uh, families have expenses. Uh, I remember as a kid, we'd go somewhere and I'd say, Dad, can I have that? And he'd say, no, we don't have the money. And I'd say, write a check. <laughs> I didn't understand what uh, that meant, not having the money. I do now, and many of you do too. We have to manage those funds. This church has done an excellent job of doing that through the years and has done so much not just locally, but literally all over the world. The thumbprint is seen everywhere you go because of the funds that they collect and the funds that they spend and what we collect right now. Let's bow as we ask God's blessing on this offering. Father, we thank you so much for the tremendous blessings that you give us that are beyond our wildest expectations. We thank you for your love and for the spiritual blessings we give us, you give us, but we also thank you for the physical blessings, the monetary blessings. We ask you to bless this offering now, that it will be used in mighty ways for your service. Be with us as a family, that we will unite in amazing ways to do the things that you would have us to do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
children to their classes at this time, and we'll also take a short moment to say hello uh, to a neighbor or two, and then we'll get started back in with our service.
We have a beautiful little blonde-haired girl up here by the name of Kenzie who has lost her daddy. And so if you're Kenzie's daddy, come up here and claim her.
Good morning. Thank you for being here today. We're live streaming our services now, so for all those that are on a computer or a telephone somewhere or whatever, thank you for being with us too. Appreciate that very much. We even have one young lady from Scotland that watches, Megan. Megan, hi. Good to see you. Uh, and so uh, who knows where the word goes uh, around. Of course, my brother he started listening some, and so I had now had to be careful of the stories I tell. Uh, have to add a little bit. Uh, one of our former elders uh, is here with us today. Uh, it's hard to say he's a visitor, but uh, Mac Owen and Mary. Mac, y'all stand up. Where are you guys? Mac and Mary, welcome back. They still sell houses down here. Mac, in case you need one. Okay. Uh, it's good to, good to have you guys here. Steve, thank you, brother, for uh, uh, the, the message. It's always good to, to have you here, and uh, be sure and give your mom and dad our love when you get back there. Dub taught here in the school, was an elder here, and served at this church many, many years. Uh, uh, a great uh, a mentor of mine, uh, uh, and uh, this means so close, so close to my heart. And, uh, one of the best times of my life was six months I stayed extra. I, they didn't get me trained well enough out of the two years. I had to stay extra, Bill. And I stayed, I spent an extra six months just uh, spending time with Dub, learning about church growth, education, those things that he was doing. I'll tell you, uh, at that time, they, they, they made a rule that you, right after I got here, they didn't have a dress code. And after I got to the school, they had one. I don't know what that means. But they, in the chapel, you always had to wear a tie. So Dub and I would be up working in the education room, doing stuff, you know, and, and he had just kept some old ties up there, and we'd have to go down to the chapel, so he'd pull a couple off and put them on, you know, and go down to the chapel and come back. Well, we're up there laminating, you know, that machine you push stuff through. We were doing that one day, and Dub forgot about his tie, and his tie got caught in the laminator. It's going through. He just calmly pauses the button, grabs a pair of scissors, and cuts it off, you know. I love Dub. Well, we want to look in the uh, book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 26, and look at a story. Our, our series is Converge, when extra meets ordinary. Well, last week we talked about Acts, chapter 2, when ordinary men filled with God's Holy Spirit that had been poured out, all of a sudden did a great and extraordinary thing when they preached this good news called the gospel, and, and it pricked people's hearts, and these ordinary people found an extraordinary Savior, and their whole world was turned upside down. Remember that? What an exciting time in the church. As the church is born and things are looking exciting, all of a sudden there's thousands of people soaking wet right up out of the Baptist, baptistry, right up out of the whatever they baptized them in, you know, and ready to go share the good news. And that was what we kind of kicked off with that. Well, today uh, I, I want to look at another story because... In this story, we're going to see someone from a foreign place who gets converted. Now, I think the reason he gave us this Acts 8 story, you know, sometimes I think it's a good reason. Why did God leave this story for us of Philip and the, and the eunuch? Well, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he talks about that this gospel is going to go from Jerusalem to Judea and to Samaria and to other most parts of the world, right? 
And you remember in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, when he gave the Great Commission, he said, you're going to go make disciples of every ethnic group. That's the word there for nations, all nations, every ethnic group. And you're going to teach and you're going to baptize them and you're going to continue to teach them to, to follow and obey God. And so this is kind of the fulfillment of that taking place. Because in Acts 2, you've got Jerusalem taking, uh, uh, getting converted and people uh, coming to the Lord. And then later on, you know, you see Jerusalem and Judea uh, there. And then in Acts, uh, 8 chapter, uh, in Acts 8, verse 1, they're scattered out throughout Judea preaching the gospel. And then even into Samaria, right before this story, they're in Samaria preaching the gospel. And now with this conversion, it's going to the uttermost parts of the world. Let's just read the story. Acts chapter 8. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Now Philip, by the way, you find him in Acts chapter 1. You find him in Acts 2. You find him in Acts 6. And, uh, being picked as a guy who's full of the Holy Spirit. And now here he is, uh, a preacher and evangelist. Now angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The Lord left us this one story of one man being converted by another. Now, this is going to make for a, a great, great church down the road. Some of the history writers say that this eunuch went on to start many, many churches down in his own country. And you know, start churches in your own country is a, is a great and honorable thing. Uh, matter of fact, we have here with us today Lutner. Lutner, Pierre, where are you? He's standing up there in the back. Y'all look and say hi to Lutner. Hi, Lutner. Lutner went through a school with several others from Haiti. He's our world radio speaker there. And Lutner, uh, uh, which by the way, last year they baptized over a thousand people there. Praise God for that. Amen. (laughs) 
But out of all the ones that he, in his class, if I remember correctly what he was telling me, out of all the ones in his class, he's the only one that went back to his country and his own people to preach and plant churches where he came from. One man converted, and yet now there are literally thousands of people and churches being planted all over that country because of his willingness to listen to the gospel. Kind of reminds me of this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, in order for uh, in order for us to get this lesson, I really wanted to. I really wanted you something you could understand and hang on to. So here's what we came up with. Let's go to the fat. That's what you got to be to be a great growing church. Someone said, "Well, Mike, we ought to really be growing." No comments and easy on the amens on that. The first thing we find out about old Philip is that he was faithful. He's faithful to the call that God's brought him to. Look, the, the, the Spirit can move and call you to place, but you can reject the Spirit. You can not do what God wants you to do sometimes. But Philip was there, and he was faithful to that. Look, even this Ethiopian eunuch who wasn't a Christian yet had some faith about him because he wanted to worship so bad, which, by the way, uh, he could never become a proselyte Jew uh, he was physically marked and he was a Gentile and he could never do that but he could go out to the outside there and be a God-fearer and that's what he did doing what he knew to do and, and, and Philip was faithful to this call that said the Spirit said I want you to go here go to that road and, and, and go up beside that guy and listen to him and talk to him and Philip did just that faithfulness to know that God's message and look Philip's already seen great things happen through the gospel, right? He knows there's power in sharing this news of Jesus. He knows that if he can get the word out, it can really change people's hearts. And look, you've been a part of thousands being converted. You're thinking, you know, look, maybe God's going to send me to where there's ten thousands. No, I just got one guy for you down here I want you to teach. You know, it just may be one guy that God has for you to reach. It just may be one person, one woman you work with, one man you work with, somebody you meet, it's just one person that you convert, that you share the good news with, that changes the whole country somewhere else. But he's faithful to that message, and he's faithful to that call to go share the good news of Jesus. And he wasn't just faithful, he was available. He said, I'm willing. He's submissive to it. And he's saying, use whatever you have to use, God. But look, he wasn't just making himself available. The eunuch made himself available to be taught. Now think about this guy. All of a sudden, here are two guys out on a road. Now look, they are different colors. Now he's not from the Ethiopia that we have now in our map. It's from another area that was called Ethiopia the land in the Old Testament of the Cush. And, and those folks there of a different color and different culture, different race, all of a sudden Philip is called to teach this guy. How uncomfortable is that for him? How uncomfortable is it for the eunuch? To all of a sudden, to, to be able to lay his pride down. Look, he has a whole important official position to be able to lay his pride down and be willing to be taught by someone of a different race, of a different culture, of a different religion, and yet be willing to learn. That's the kind of heart this guy had. 
and yet he was willing. Now, the eunuch asked three questions in the text. How is the first one. How am I going to, I'm reading, how do I understand this if somebody doesn't teach me? I love his availability and his submissiveness to being led by God even through other people. He said, how's this going to happen? I can't, I can't get it by myself. I need some help here. You know, it's one thing to read scripture. It's another thing to understand it. There are a lot of people who read the Bible who aren't in Christ yet. There are a lot of religious people that, that need to be converted. He says, how? He says, who? Who's this man talking about? This prophet that you just, I'm reading out of Isaiah. Who's he talking about? And then he tells him about Jesus. Oh, that's who he's talking about. And he gets that answered. And then he says, why? Well, look, if that's it and that's who it is, why shouldn't I be baptized? Hey, I'm ready. Is there something holding me back? I couldn't get in that other religious group. They wouldn't let me. I was marked. I was it. Hey, well, hey I, can't get, I can't become a Jew. I can't become this. Well, I'll tell you what, you can. You can become a Christian. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And what a great day it must have been in his life to have gone on. How? Rejoicing. I always love that too. That's how he left out of there. And he was teachable. He was willing to sit down and look at the Bible. You know what I love about our history? I love the history of the Restoration Movement that says, look, whatever the Bible says, we're just going to believe it. We're going to study it. We're going to look back into it. Even if we've never believed it before, if we find it in there, that's what we're following. We're not going to be run by some kind of hierarchy and denominational world or that kind. We're just going to go back to the Bible. I love our Restoration history. It's an honorable call. It's not the gospel. But it is an honorable task to say, let's just go back to the Bible and discover what God has in store for us. I love that spirit. And I kind of get that spirit from this guy. He's learning the book. He's just ready to, to learn it and do whatever God tells him to do. Are we that open to the Bible? Are we, are we really saying, okay, God, whatever I find to do in here, I'll do it? That's the spirit we have to approach God's Word with and be teachable people. We do not have all the answers. We're not in the business of saying who every group, who's in and who's out of the kingdom. God will take care of that. And you know what? God's never made a mistake. He won't mess up. You're not going to get to heaven and say, God, what's he doing there? You messed up. He ain't supposed to be here. Won't happen. Won't happen. But we have to keep ourselves teachable, continuing to learn God's Word. Now, what I love about this is that when the, king, when the gospel of Jesus is preached, the kingdom becomes colorful. All of a sudden, black and white are brought into one brotherhood. Now look, I don't pretend to have all the answers to racism in our country or in other, any other country. I know this will never settle race problems with laws or politics or court decisions. It'll never settle. You won't settle, you will not settle race problems by fining people, by firing people. You won't settle race problems by making something legal or illegal. 
They'll only be settled. The only time black and white. And, and remember the song we used to sing? Jesus loves the little children. Remember that? Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red, yellow, black, white. They'll only become one when they become one in Christ. And I'll tell you, we've not done good enough job reaching out to the colorful world. Look, we don't need to look at our black brothers or our yellow brothers or our white brothers or any other color brother. We don't need to look at them as colorblind. We're not asking anyone to say, and we shouldn't be, that we got to not see color. We don't want to be colorblind. We want the church to be colorful. We want God to bring in people from all kinds of colors that say, look, you're unique. God made you no matter what color race you are. And there's unique things about that that's good and holy. Yeah, we can give God some glory for that. We need to do better reaching our black neighborhoods in Monroe and West Monroe, Louisiana. We need to do a better job. We need to do a better job of reaching across uh, culture lines and learn and understand people. We need to have each other in our homes and eat together and, and feed together and walk together and pray together. Well, I don't, I, I, this church started by, by bringing people in from all kinds of cultures. They burned a cross out here in front of the thing. We've got to keep leading the way. I don't think we've done strong enough things in that area. We've got to do that. Lord, we do. We have to do that here. We have to do it around the world. We're now taking part of that. That university campus work there. That's another section of White Square Road Church now. And that and as that work takes place over there, it's one church, two locations. And over at university, there's all kinds of people from all all, all nations around the world. Uh, from China and from Japan and from India and from Africa. We have a chance to go over there and reach people who can go back into their world and take the gospel to the whole world. And it starts right here, right here, with us being open-minded. We cannot, we will not put up with racism in this church family. It's not going to happen. We all are saved by the same color, and it's red by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what makes us colorful. You can be on that kind of forever family that Steve talked about through the blood of of Jesus Christ. Don't walk out of this room lost today. You can be baptized just like that Ethiopian eunuch was and be on your way to lunch rejoicing. <laughs> right? Let's get rid of the fear of each other and fear God more than man and take the gospel wherever it leads us, in whatever way it leads us. Let's be gospel people, and let's be a colorful church. If you have a need to respond today, would you do so while we stand and sing?